Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. Today we are escaping the summer heat <laughs> by discussing a beach read, in this case Judy Bloom's Summer Sisters, a novel recommended by our cozy listener Alonzo Duraldi. Yeah, and I'm so glad he recommended it because I was talking to Matt before and he said how I had read it probably as a, maybe a preteen, because my mom had been reading, so I stole it off her shelf, and it's just nice to read it as, as an adult, and I had such a fun time reading it, so I'm sure I'll talk about that. It's a trip but, down memory lane. Yeah, but I appreciate um, all the book recommendations, because it just gets us thinking. And, we depend on them yeah. at this point. I don't yeah. think we have, we, we haven't thought for ourselves <laughs> about what books we'll read for so a long time. keep them coming. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Anytime, any opportunity I have to not think, I, it's very welcome. Yep. Jillian, how are you holding up in the summer heat? Well, it's, it's, it's been, been an ongoing, wave. yeah, because actually it's funny you mentioned that because my partner wants us to get those portable AC, but I feel like we're in the final stretch. So why would we spend money on a portable AC? I don't know. Towards the end of July. I, it's she, LA though. It's going to get even hotter in September. Every single night she's bugging me about it. And I just say, we'll talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and we literally do talk, keep the conversation going. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I work from home as you guys know. So I intermittently turn the AC on and off because I don't want to have a crazy Mm -hmm. electricity bill. But I mean, I have a high, how does a portable AC work? Torture. It's, I used to have one. Um, but it's basically, it's freestanding and you, it has this tube that you connect to the, your, your window. Okay. And it's, it works wonderfully but you have to get on it early in the season because they're they're pretty much all sold out you can get it at home depot or some place like that but they're in high demand they're they're excellent though they really do work very well but i they're so i have so much bigger have, fish to you fry you already have a window unit we already have place? a window unit we have in our living room we have a window unit and then in our bedroom we just have the ceiling fan so i mean it just seems to me like a waste of money when it's going to be well, I don't want to weigh in on a lover's quarrels, but yes, it's a hot I debate. will say it's going to get hotter. Yeah. Just keep that in mind. You know, what about you? How are you holding up? Barely. I'm I'm melting. Yeah. It's awful. LA has been experiencing a heat wave. I feel like the entire country has just been bombarded by really high temperatures, mm-hmm. trying to stay in the shade. It's so hot that it got me into a pool. And if you know anything about me, you know that I hate swimming. <laughs> yeah, me too. I do not like taking my shirt off. Mm-hmm. I have deep shame about my own body. I just don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really was so hot that there was no choice. I went to a beach. I went into a pool. I'm doing all sorts of out-of-character things because yeah. it's so, so hot. Well, yeah, I was at a pool party this past weekend, too. And I don't know if it's the Virgo in me, but I just feel like there's a very tiny pool, too. And I think a pool is just a big bathtub. It just grosses me out. I, was, <laughs> I was chlorine. Everyone's just stewing in their own germs. Yes. And it was, I was like, it was so hot. And I was sitting there like, oh, should I go in? Should I go in? But then I had a few drinks and then I, that, I did, wasn't thinking about the germs. I just hopped in. But I just, just it's watching everyone stew like little lobsters in the pool. Like, it's just <laughs> It really is the least me cozy out. time of the year. It's the least cozy time of the year. It's, it's a horror sure. show. So that's yeah. why we need these beaches. Everyone's beaches. uncomfortable. It, being indoors isn't even that great. Like I had to turn off the air conditioner to record this episode. So we are sweating right now. Yeah. But we are going to persevere and deliver a wonderful beachy summary episode <laughs> for you. Try to be as cozy as we can be. Um, and we're going to get started with talking about what's making us feel cozy this week. So what's making me feel cozy this week is the documentary Won't You Be My Neighbor about Fred Rogers, famously uh, the host of the PBS children's series, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, The film details the history of Fred Rogers' uh, television career, uh, shows the lives he touched, and explores who he was as a man and his relationships with his colleagues and his family. So it sort of does try to ground it in who really was Fred Rogers, because mm-hmm. he just seems like a modern-day Jesus. He's yeah, so benevolent. He um, and the conclusion is basically, yeah, he was, he was like that. That was him, authentically. Uh, it really is the coziest experience you'll have in a theater all summer. I guarantee it. Um, bring tissues, because there are several very touching scenes. That's now, what I was going to say. Because yeah. so, I'm so hesitant to see, because I know I, I sobbed at the trailer. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what a full feature would do to me. <laughs> is, it, is it safe? It's Can, safe. I mean, the thing about the tears, 
They're happy tears. They okay. are tears because you're feeling nostalgic hearing the old songs and seeing the old scenes, but really because of the profound kindness and humanity in the show yeah. and these children who are just so loved and accepted for who they are and, and special just the way they are. And when you cry at this documentary, it's not because you feel sorry for anybody. It's just because you feel so much love and happiness. Yeah. It's, it's good tears. It's not sad. I know. It's such a, it's a conundrum for me because, yeah, even though it's a happy tears, it, it's just a, it's a time that doesn't, is not currently in session any longer. <laughs> so that would make me sad. But mm-hmm. also I, I just love that there's this, te- you know, tribute to him, this wonderful, yeah. wonderful touching tribute. So you saw in the theaters recently? I did. And it was really the loudest boohooing I've heard in my entire life in a theater. Like just loud sobbing at the end of it. Yeah. There's something that happens at the end that no one is, is not crying in the theater. Everyone is crying. It is, but in a really great way, in a way that is profoundly touching. I think this movie will crack anybody's shell of Mm -hmm. cynicism. And it reminds you to just, be kind and aspire to that level of kindness that Mr. Mm -hmm. Rogers had and to approach every day with some sense of wonder and possibility. And I think that it was such a great reminder Mm -hmm. because times are hard. Life, life is hard, period. Mm -hmm. No matter, no matter what's happening in the world, really. Um, And it kind of brings you back to basics. I think I highly, highly recommend it. It is the coziest movie in the theater. I miss it. I know. Yeah. It made me want to be a child again, just have that sort of like, simplicity yeah that i mean as a kid you don't everything that is seems so simple as an adult is not very simple when you're a kid but i don't know it was wonderful even even just like discovering how he really applied real child psychology to his show Mm -hmm. i had no idea that there was that much thought put into it and when you watch it you realize that there really was it needs to be a mandatory screening for everyone really i mean i really wonder like what would happen if like we everyone in the entire world watched this this movie i feel like we'd have like world peace Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's 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 how amazing this documentary is go see it well that's a good choice jillian what's making you feel cozy (laughs) it's now mine seems so (laughs) empty in comparison to yours come on there there are all sorts of different places to find coziness well my cozy what's making you feel cozy this week is the bravo reality television show (laughs) (laughs) southern charm (laughs) Just like Mr. Rogers. It's really the Mr. Rogers neighborhood for adults. Now, I know this is, might be sound like a confusing choice, but I recently got into it because I, I bought Sling. So I started, and I knew that if I started it, I would never stop. I knew it would be my latest obsession. So it's cozy for unique reasons. It's the most weird, like bizarre, but lovable cast that, you probably ever come across on a reality television show. There's a weird hodgepodge of people, but in unique ways that are entertaining. But one really cozy aspect of the show is, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but she's this socialite who lives in Charleston. That's where the show takes place. Charleston, South Carolina. And Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> Came out of Long Island. Out there. Carolina. <laughs> um, Patricia Ashtel. I don't pronounce her last name, but she is, I think she's worth like 20 million or something. She. Oh, is that all? <laughs> she has this historic house in Charleston, the most historic house in all of Charleston. And she has a butler named Michael. And their dynamic is so cute. And so you have all this old history going on. Like one of the guys on this show called Shep, he went to Vanderbilt. Shep. <laughs> well, well <laughs> his real name's Shepard, but they just call him Shep. And he's like, there's a lot of like frat, fratty kind of guys. Sh- Shepard Smith, like which a, is not cozy. Like imagine, you know, rich guys from the South. It doesn't sound like very appealing. Okay. <laughs> but like his his great aunt was one of the characters that was based, well, one of, um, I guess, I'h, I'm explaining it, in The Great Gatsby, one of the characters was mirrored after his great aunt. So there's all okay. these like little interesting tidbits of history. One of the people on the show named Catherine, her great 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 whatever was what, the vice president calhoun like there's all these like weird history i'm a big history buff so i like i like hearing all these little splices of history yeah. the butler dynamic is super super cozy they have this like really adorable relationship they go to costco together it's so cute is, but, tell me the ha- the house is haunted please tell me that would be interesting but i i mean i don't i it's just it's just a maybe, cozy maybe little for mansion a la- maybe for a later season 
But it's just, I don't know what's so cozy about it. Oh, what, you'll like to appreciate this, Matt, because one of the characters, he went to law school. He's such a little goof. And he takes three years to pass the bar. And then once he finally passes the bar, he decides that he's going to make pillows. And he is a self-identified seamstress. And Patricia is selling high-end dog caftans. This sounds crazy. Uh-huh. And, but she wants him to make a dog pillow. And so we see him creating this dog pillow. It's just really, it's like a... It's and not, hilarity ensues. Yes. It's not like real housewives where people are scheming, they're hawking their crap. They're, they're, there's real... They're making dog pillows. There's a real darkness to um, real houses. And not, I love that. Trust and believe. But this is like a very safe reality show. There are some dark moments, but it's also so silly. Can I say one more thing about yeah, it? Because no, I'm like obsessed. Go ahead. <laughs> Southern charm. Southern charm. So there's this one character who actually he's he's a beast, but there there's a funny element. Why is he he's a beast? <laughs> well, I can't go into. I want to ruin it. Does, but anyways, does he have a a cursed rose in his <laughs> attic? He it's that's hard to describe, but he um was I think the treasurer for South Carolina, and then he lost his job and went to jail for a year because he was either buying cocaine or selling cocaine or something like that. Who can remember? <laughs> So he is trying to, the show shows him trying to get, um, beat Lindsey Graham in the Senate race, which I think Lindsey Graham has been the senator of North, sorry, South Carolina for, he's like a hundred years old for the billion years. So he tries to go against Lindsey Graham and one of his videos, campaign videos was like, because I guess he always, he has a reputation as a hard partier. So his slogan was, where he's dancing in the video with his, it said, I'll raise the roof, but I won't raise your taxes. And he's dancing in the video. It's, oh, my God. And it's so silly. There's such a s- level of silliness in this show. I know I've gone on for 30 minutes. About <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Southern Charm podcast, where we recap Southern Charm. But anyways, it's a cozy reality show. Okay, so I'll... No, I'll, I'm, I'll, I'm sold. Like this, I'll, I'll it does move sound on. really cozy. I'll move on, no. because I know I've, I know I've gone on. I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed. So. Jillian's wearing a Southern Charm t-shirt. She's sitting on a dog pillow. She really is. She's not kidding. She's obsessed with this show. But anyways, sorry to go on and on. No, no, not at all. It's what's making you feel cozy this week. It's important. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that brings us to our cozy locations. What's your cozy location this week? I don't know if it's been said already. We do a review of that, too. But um, Echo Park Lake. Okay. I, solid choice. It's a solid we, choice. You know, we talked about it briefly in the last episode when I started talking about Lincoln Park in Chicago. Oh, oh. But I don't know if it's ever gotten its own shout out. I don't think it's ever gotten its no. own, own shout out. So I know I like to try and mix it up with our locations and not do only LA locations, but sorry when you live here. <laughs> so anyways, it's a lovely park. Always ducks. So many ducks. Different, all different types of ducks. My, like, Matt knows this. My partner owned a duck when she was little, and she follows this Twitter account called Duck of the Day, and she gives me the quacker report every day at her work. Oh, my God. <laughs> she, she sounds quackers. <laughs> yeah, so there, she works at NBC, and there's a little pond, and all these ducks come, so it's always the quacker report. But anyways, moving on. Oh, so many plentiful uh, wildlife. There's turtles, too, and it's very big and... Everyone always seems in a good mood whenever you go there. There's a lot of green space, plenty of place to sit and hang. You can walk around a big loop. And then there's this thing, I think it's called the boathouse, where they have a little cafe that's on on the lake. Right. So, so it's really I feel big. like that's gotten to, they've expanded that a bit. They have. They have food now and mm-hmm. all that good stuff. But I have never had food there. I've only had their coffee. It's nice. Would you recommend it? Yes. I think it's a lovely little spot. I think a good time to go is early morning or really late afternoon because you can walk around the lake more so in peace, get a coffee from the boathouse, you know, do the loop, look at the little ducks, look at the turtles, and have yourself a good morning or afternoon. Yeah, I love going there to hunt for Pokemon. That seems like a good gyms, hunting ground. A lot of Pokestops. It's yeah. a loop. Mm-hmm. Get that. Get those uh, kilometers in for your egg hatching. Yeah. It's a great choice. Also, if you're visiting L.A., and you're in the Echo Park area, it's a great photo op, great That's view of true. downtown. That's true. Yeah, they, it, it's a really beautiful space. They, they're having a little Lotus f- Festival. This. That's right, they're blooming. They're in, no, there's, there's t- a ton of them. They're yeah. wild. They never mm-hmm. knew they grew that much, but Lotus, there you go. <laughs> yeah, ch- check out the Lotus flowers. Echo, That's a great choice. Yeah. Love it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> My cozy location this week is the Golden Nugget which is not to be confused with the Vegas casino, but I'm talking about the diner 
chain in Chicago. Sounds cute. It is. I mean, we we love our greasy spoons on this podcast. You mm-hmm. know, they're reliable. You can get your twenty mm-hmm. four hour breakfast at these sorts of places. I mean, it, it is basically a classic diner. But what I love about the, sh- the Golden Nugget in particular is the sense of history in the city. It, they've been around since the mm-hmm. the mid sixties in in the city. And what I love about it is like when my mom was a, a young lady about town and would go to the discotheque, you know, do the hustle with her friends. Aww. They would go to places like the Golden Nugget afterward. And then when I lived in the city in my early 20s, like that's where I would go to after like a long night at Lincoln Karaoke. We would, you know, wind down in the wee hours of the morning with like a, an omelet at the Golden Nugget and then go to bed. And it's that kind of place. It's like a, a neighborhood greasy spoon. And it's just, I don't know, reliable in that yeah. way. Like you get exactly what you expect from a place like that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a cozy location, the Golden Nugget. Well, I love the name. Anything with nugget in the <laughs> title I love. And then also I think those standby diners that you can always depend on are far and few in between these days. Mm-hmm. I think diners are kind of... They're, well, they have, they, have a, they have a weird renaissance going on, but at the same time, I think they're, a lot of them getting they're hard of, to find. Yeah, well, a lot of them are sort of sanitized yeah. and uh, upscaled, but Golden Nugget is very old school, not, not updated to the times. Like, mm-hmm. they're still serving, like, that lamb shank. I don't know. All, all those old menu items are still on there, mm-hmm. so it's a bit of a blast from, blast from the past. Well, next but, time I'm, you know... Around Chicago, go to the Golden Nugget. Highly recommend. There are many locations, so you don't have to go out of your way. Oh, it's a chain. Okay. Yeah, they're all over the city. All right, Golden Nugget. All right, I think are we ready to to dive into our main topic for today? Yes. So we are talking about the Summer Sisters. I should probably play. I have an ocean sound I never get to oh, okay. use. You know, imagine we're at the beach. That's nice. You you packed a book to bring with you. Okay, it's getting kind of loud. And you're laying on the beach, and you've chosen the Summer Sisters, like we have. So, uh, first of all, before we even start talking about it, this book is by Judy Bloom, and I have to ask Jillian, did you read Judy Bloom as a, a young girl? Yes, I, I definitely did, and I lost lost touch with her. Yeah. And I, I didn't know much about her personal life either, but before I read this book, I took a deep dive, and it was interesting. I didn't know she had such a a, a varied life, or her personal relationships were always kind of rocky it seems like. oh really i didn't know that about yeah, her. yeah she was married a, a few times and i think some of them weren't so good and I, I think she said some quote where she like people think my life is all you know roses or fun and games whatever but it, you know i've had some moments so it's it's interesting but um yeah it was also seemed all of her writing always seemed very like shocking to me when i was younger because she talks about you know coming of age and sex in in a way that is it doesn't doesn't dance around it and kind of radical yeah and so for me like that was always a bit like oh you you know right but um it now looking back on it i really appreciate it because it's not many writers do that for younger women or Mm -hmm. so yeah judy bloom is sort of a blind spot in my reading history because i mean she is so marketed for girls it never seemed to be for me yeah as a young (laughs) as a young boy um, but I mean, there's a lot there. And, and so this is a novel for adults. So it's not one of her children's books or young, like a uh, young adult novels. This is, this is a, a properly adult book mm-hmm. for adults. Yeah. <laughs> We're not talking about uh, anything. Not that there's anything wrong with YA. We had a whole episode about YA. We love YA here. Summer Sisters, just to kind of recap what it's about. Um, it's a 1998 novel by Judy Bloom, and it's about the enduring friendship of, uh, two girls, one named Victoria Leonard and the other Caitlin Summers, who spend every summer together at Caitlin's father's home in Martha's Vineyard. Uh, The relationship starts when Caitlin, who is bold and she vows to never be ordinary, Mm -hmm. uh, picks, sort of plucks Victoria out of of obscurity in their sixth grade class. In New Mexico. In New Mexico. And then uh, asks her to spend the summer with her in Martha's Vineyard, and that becomes a tradition for them. They're the Summer Sisters. Mm -hmm. They go back to Caitlin's summer home um, every summer. And the novel follows those summers they spend together as they grow up and go through puberty and get jobs and become women. Yep. Yeah, so I think it starts in the 70s, too. That's where it starts. It it, it tracks them from the 70s through the 90s. Yeah, so... It's... I I loved how... I love the pace of the book, how it 
you know, slowly build up to their adult lives. And what's also interesting about the book is that it jumps from perspectives too. Mm -hmm. The only perspective you don't get is Caitlin, right? Right. You never get, that's, that's interesting. You do never get, you do never get Caitlin's perspective. <laughs> yeah. So that I think, because Caitlin is a very mysterious character. She's, I think every girl or probably, I, yeah, I assume boys too, like has that one very mysterious friend that just always seems on the edge of things, right? That so called that elusive person who comes across as really interesting, but you don't are they really interesting? It's one of those Yeah. One of those things. And so she's that magical friend who comes into her life and changes it in a mm-hmm. way that and it, it's one of it's also interesting because I think the reader wonders would Victoria's life has had ended up the way it did if she hadn't met Caitlin or was she always because I think there's a lot of self-doubt in mm-hmm. Victoria right. about her own strengths. And I think she's always grappling with that. Because in the book, there's she gets a lot of support from Caitlin's family to get her in the past success. Right. Going to a, a wealthy private school, mm-hmm. scholarships, uh, even just sort of getting to have someone support you and talk to you about what's next after high school, college yeah. plans. Like that was, it's a huge lift for Victoria because her family is uh, a lot more practical and just sort of focused and on the, collar. on the now blue collar, like, well, where are you going to work? How are you going to get your money? Yeah. So, and, and, uh, Caitlin's, Caitlin's dad, what's his name again? Lamb. Lamb. Yeah. He went to Harvard mm-hmm. and he starts off in the book as some hippie type. Right. But then he, you know, marries a woman who moved from Chicago to Boston and she kind of like cleans up his life a little bit. But he can tell he's very educated and Caitlin comes from a very interesting background in comparison to Victoria's on the surface. Because Victoria's had a very interesting life as it is. She has a brother who has a disability and she's very close to him and she takes care of him. I think she has a lot of life experiences that she probably doesn't give herself credit for. And I think through the book you see her grow and mature and kind of come into her own and understand herself and her own worth, mm-hmm. which is a, any pe- person can relate to. It's a very relatable book. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I related a lot to Victoria. Yeah. That, that sort of self-doubt, the wondering like, am I, am I only where I am because of my relationships mm-hmm. or and how much was it really me? Even just the meditation of the novel on the impact of friendship and the way that friendship changes you and the opportunities mm-hmm. that it provides. It, I thought it was a really powerful, and and to me, it felt really realistic. This depiction of friendship, and and especially how it evolves over time. And you know, your friends, your friends when you are in high school together, or you're just teenagers. Whatever brought you together, it's like family, sort of. Like you become glued together, but you are sort of destined to drift apart because that's such a a young age to build a relationship, and you will evolve and change mm-hmm. and. It, it was really, it felt really true and honest to see how these uh, women grew up and how their friendships changed as a result of their maturing. Yeah, it's very realistic. And I, and I think Judy Bloom does a great job of building up that tension to their parting of ways where there's little glimpses of how they are so different. You know, they're united as being kids and they do have some undercurrent of connection. Mm -hmm. And I think those things can't be explained because they are so different. So there definitely is just some element of you get someone. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense, but they get each other on some levels and they sexually experiment with each other. And there's a lot of power. They call it the power of, you know, we don't have to go into the details. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they're also, you know, develop crushes at the same time on these two boys called which now looking sorry i have to brew and von brew and von looking back on it too there's some like there's a lot of elements of men being creepy yeah what you didn't pick up on because at the time they meet von and brew i think they're von and brew what's like 17 18 and these girls are 14 yeah so there's this they're making like sexual jokes in front of them like oh wait till you get a little older right there's some level of discomfort too like the young women sometimes when they're, you know, they're growing up and they're experiencing, they put themselves unknowingly in under dangerous situations. And there's always that element of danger and risk taking mm-hmm. for young women that I don't think as much so as. And which Caitlin really men. represents because she's always sort of being bold and putting herself out there to say wild things, I think just to get that sort of attention yeah. and, and to be seen. And she's, they, and Judy Bloom makes it a point to say like how, you know, breathtakingly naturally 
beautiful mm-hmm. she is. And it's not like Kate, uh, sorry, Victoria is some like schlub. No, but it's something Victoria but, struggles with because yeah. Caitlin sort of just draws all of the male attention. And when they're getting older and Victoria wants to be noticed in that way and she's not getting noticed, it, it becomes a little bit, I mean, they, they, it's not an issue with their friendship, but it becomes an issue that Victoria sort of struggles with personally. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those things where Caitlin is also beautiful because she has that unexplainable magnetic quality. Mm -hmm. People are just innately drawn to her, but she also has a very dark side that comes out throughout the novel where she, you don't know if you can trust her. She seems a little bit unhinged. You're always wondering why she's doing what she's doing and her intentions behind her actions. Even just her, a lot of her choices just feel so random for the sake of it. Even that the the initial action of even choosing Victoria as her friend, you're sort of wondering through the entire novel why. Yeah, why that's a good that's a good point, and I think Victoria is always wondering that as well. Mm-hmm. But I do think that Caitlin found saw something in her that felt comforting and safe. Mm-hmm. So I think Victoria is a really safe a safe person. She's stable, and it's what Lamb's wife... I forgot this is Lamb's wife's name. Abby. Abby. She's but, my favorite character. Yeah, she was She was um, very stabilizing, and over time, Victoria becomes more close with Caitlin's parents than her own. Right. So they became her summer family, or her surrogate parents, and even at her high school graduation, she acknowledges them in the crowd for helping her so much. And there, I think that was sweet. I always found Victoria's relationship with Caitlin's parents very comforting. Mm-hmm. And it goes to show that you do make your own family a lot of the times. Because um, her mom, Tawny, wherever the hell her name was, she was a real piece of work. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> under- very uh, frustrating character. Very, very frustrating. I understand where she was coming from a lot of the times, but because of her own past, it seemed like that was a little, you know, roller coaster. But uh, at the same time, she was extremely frustrating. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to see Victoria find a sense of home through Caitlin's family. How how did you feel about the book's depiction of female friendship? Did it feel honest to you? Yeah, it felt very honest. You know, all those little scheming you did as kids, especially when you're going through puberty or women do have those frank discussions when they're growing up, um, you know, it just chasing after the, the boys or... Uh, having that closeness where you do feel like you're a part of someone that's some it's I'm not saying that men can't have that feeling but when you're really close to uh when female friendships there's this level of closeness that you're almost becoming one and the same person mm-hmm. you're like an extension of the other person you know hanging out all the times the sleepovers just the things that you talk about those life experiences because there are a lot of deep life experiences for women that are there are, are so emotional that are so um, transformative that to have that other person experience that with you and share that perspective is very special and unique. Right. I think she did a great job of honing in on that, especially how female friendships change and evolve mm-hmm. because you can always have that closeness, but there are some things that your life goes on different trajectories. And especially for women, there's that sense of, should I have kids? Should I get married? That I think is not so as present for men. I think that plays a big role in friendships too, because then you have other people taking different paths because of that pressure. And then that separates you. There are people I'm like, well, they're, they're a stranger to me in the sense where now they have a different life. That's totally different than mine. And, but you always had that common thread. So that was a very, very good depiction. So you mentioned earlier that they start sort of experimenting together. Yes. And then a lot of the book is about sex. Did you feel like it, the book honestly represented female sexuality? Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely did. Um, especially, you know, when they're talking about, you know, losing their virginity, I think Caitlin lies about it. Uh, you know, it, it's also that wading into the unknown where, you know, just sharing that that sense of going into the unknown together. And I'm, once again, I don't want to minimize male experience of like having, you know, sex for summer or whatever. But um, there's just so much uncharted territory for for women or like so that was that was definitely interesting. The sexual experimentation, you know, I think that was a unique element. But I do know female friends who have done that with mm-hmm. other 
girls, but I think men do that too. Yeah. So that that's not necessarily a unique thing, but I, I loved how frank and open the dialogue was between them because that's what it is like. It's not, you know, women talk as openly about sex as men do, and I think it's great that she portrayed it as such. And two very different approaches to, to sex because Caitlin views it as something to, quote, get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Victoria, once she hears Caitlin say that, is like, I, that's never really, she never wants that to be her approach towards sex. She wants it to be with somebody who she loves and it matters to her. Yeah. And I think that's also, once again, very realistic and relatable. People have, you know, anyone, any person has a different approach to, to sex. And it was nice to see them kind of co- collide at times over those differing views right. because there was a moment where, I know people say it was like, give it away, but this is, we're talking about a, a book. I mean, we have the reading list, so we can read along. <laughs> so anyways, there's this moment where they're babysitting for this actor. He's a famous actor and he's older mm-hmm. and they get into the, he's driving them home one night. Well, see, here's another thing that was very interesting because I could relate to this. Victoria always senses an undercurrent of sexual tension of like predatoriness towards Caitlin from older men a lot of the times. And, you know, I think sometimes people don't realize how hyper aware young people and women can be of that, that inappropriate sexual tension or, and so I'm, I'm quite the observer. And so that's how I relate to Victoria because I'm very observant of my surroundings and people's actions and those little undercurrents. So, and they're in the car and Caitlin's kind of flirting with the, he's, she's accepting the actor's advances in a way. Mm-hmm. And Victoria jumps, jumps in and kind of tells the actor like it is or tries to get Caitlin out of the car. And Caitlin mm-hmm. doesn't seem as phased by it. And she even gives the actor a kiss when he drops them off. And so you can see their differences. That's a big difference. Like Caitlin's kind of like careless with with this attention that she attracts, whereas Victoria is very careful with it. And that's an, an interesting dynamic. All right. So what do you think about this book in terms of its quality as a beach read? It's a wonderful beach read because beach reads should be one where you're hooked. Yeah. You can't put page it down. Turner. A page turner. Yeah. Um, and, cause, you know, I don't like those books that are, oh, it could be okay just to have at the beach. I'll maybe read a few pages. When I go to the beach, I want to be occupied with something because I really don't like being there. So <laughs> I want Same. something yeah, I that it. could really be enjoyable. Cause I, there's nothing better than reading a good page turner when mm-hmm. you're at the pool or at the beach. And this hits all the right notes, especially since it takes place at the beach. A lot. Gives you an excuse not to be in the water. That's my favorite thing about mm-hmm. a beach read. What do you think? I think this is an excellent beach read. I'm so glad I got to read it this summer. It's so breezy and it's light, but also very substantive. I mean, these are some real issues and these characters feel very richly drawn. And it's like this perfect marriage of something that feels like it doesn't go on too Mm -hmm. long. It doesn't drag out. Um, It's light and breezy, but it's also meaningful. And that's a really hard balance to strike. But Judy Bloom does it with this book. I highly recommend it. It's if you smart. haven't read it already, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you, Alonzo, for the recommendation. And also, I mean, just speaking on the pure coziness factor, the descriptions of Martha's Vineyard in the summer. Oh, yeah. Those descriptions of just being a young person and the way that summer used to feel long, like it dragged on forever. Mm-hmm. And the sort of dead-end jobs I think many of us had at that time in our lives where like you're just sort of like working at a movie theater or working at an ice cream shop or like a restaurant and you're just kind of doing it for a little bit of cash and the relationship you develop with your coworkers and and your friends during that time. It just felt so true and real and it takes you back to, to your youth. And I think there's nothing cozier than that. Well, yeah. Summers used to be actual season of life. And now for me, it's just days of the week. Right. No, (laughs) it's, it's flying through. My cousin told me once, basically savor your college years while you can and, and in high school and stuff like that. Because once you get out of college or school in general, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, like the way that seasons are divvied up when you're a student, things just feel slower. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you become an adult, time just seems to melt together and all of a sudden you're your back hurts and you know, you don't know what month it is. It could be and Christmas. It now. could be, I, it's it's weird. nothing feels different to it's me. It's a weird way that that time just seems to fly the older that yes. you get and, yeah. and sort of just, um, smear together. And this book really captures that distinct 
seasonal feeling of when you're a young person in summer and you're at the beach and it's hot mm-hmm. and you're doing all these things you never get to do when you're a student. And yeah, I, I, I love this book. I agree. It was a wonderful choice. Thank you, Alonzo. Thank you, Alonzo. Yeah, check it out. It's a great summer read. If you want to hear us talk about the ending and spoilers, stay tuned until after the ending theme and you'll hear Jillian and I talking about uh, parts of the book that are are spoilerific. Yes. Now that we're finished talking about the book, it is time to discuss the celebrities that are calming us this week. Who who will we discuss today on celebrities that calm us? I'll kick it off. Mm-hmm. My celebrity that calms me is Douglas Adams. Douglas Adams was a writer. He he's mm. passed away unfortunately. Uh, he's no longer with us. He's famous for writing the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy oh, okay. novels. Um, he also wrote the the book series Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. He's very wry, funny British writer. Mm-hmm. But he's not the, that, those those books. While I love them, and they're excellent reads, that's not the reason I chose Douglas Adams. I chose Douglas Adams as my cozy celebrity because I recently recovered a book that I cherished from home. So again, I was, I was back home in uh, Chicago for my wedding. And I got my mom to take me to our storage space, which is basically very selfishly like taken up by me with all of my Beanie Babies and my Transformers and my Jurassic Park toys and my boxes and boxes of books. Next time, take a picture. Sorry to say. I know. Well, I need to. I feel so bad about how much storage space I'm taking up with my with the things that I haven't been able to let go. Beanie Babies are important. I know, but I need to take. I need. I need to take responsibility for like lugging that stuff around. Like it's. It's my. My albatross to bear at this point, um, not my mom's. But anyway, so in there, I was looking for the context was I was looking for my old Magic the Gathering trading cards because I'm starting to get back into that game. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk about that right yeah. now. But I found a book that I, I loved by Douglas Adams called The Deeper Meaning of Lyft. And it's just a silly book with like dictionary terms that are made up. So the, the subtitle explains it all. The subtitle of the book is A Dictionary of Things there aren't any words for yet, but ought to be. And so it's just kind of a whimsical, silly book with like made up words for things that we don't have words for. And so in the spirit of, of all things cozy, I I wanted to pick out a few and share a few words and their definitions that felt particularly cozy and funny to me. Um, The first is Abilene, Mm -hmm. which is descriptive of the pleasing coolness on the reverse side of the pillow. Oh, that's nice. There really should be a word for that. It really should. Every night you got to flip it over, yep. get that cool side. Uh, this is very appropriate for our podcast, Slubbery. <laughs> Slubbery is the gooey drips of wax that dribble down the sides of a candle. Oh, this is like book was made for you. You have a word for it now, slubbery. Slubbery. And finally, uh, another, bo- another word from the, the book is totterage which is the ridiculous two-inch hunch that people adopt when arriving late for the theater in the vain hope that they will minimize either the embarrassment (laughs) or the lack of visibility for the rest of the audience. I love books like that where it sums up what you're ever those little things that people think and go through hasn't been articulated yet right and you you always wonder like am i crazy am i the only person who cares about this no like this book reminds you that we are all awkward Connected. and worried about these really silly things and wonder like why isn't there a word for the united and the wax drops yes so I, if, I love that it's a good choice i so want to read that what's it called the deeper meaning of lif deeper it's another cozy book pick while we're talking about cozy books i know and i have to get i speaking of books i i, I apologize i forgot this person's name but they recommended that we create a goodreads reading list mm-hmm. and so i will get on that i'm i've been doing this new thing Whatever you don't need to know this, but where I write down five things I want to accomplish every day, and I'm going to put that on my list. I'm going to cross it off, and we'll have a cozy. That list making is going to be on Jillian's list. Yeah, it's going to be a good reads. I will. I will create that reading list. Rest assured. <laughs> Looking um, forward to it. I use Goodreads um, religiously just to track the books that I'm reading. I set yeah. goals for myself every year. I really have to give Goodreads credit for keeping me accountable. Accountable and for being an adult reader because I don't think if I had that sort of extra incentive to meet my challenge, mm-hmm. I would easily only read like a handful of books a year. And it's kept me, kept me reading at least 20 books a year, which is I think a healthy, a healthy amount for an, a former English major. And they have giveaways. I just, and they, I've never won a giveaway. I'm hoping I keep on, I put in my name. I've on given book up hope I really on that want. one. I'm hoping for a giveaway. 
So well, I'll, fingers I'll be, crossed for me. Well, well I'll, I'll cross my fingers for you, Jillian, but I, <laughs> I've given up hope for myself. <laughs> well, anyways. <laughs> Who's um, your cozy celebrity? Randy Finoli. Let me make sure I got his last is name. Is that a neighbor or... <laughs> Is Randy Finoli. <laughs> is that your pizza delivery guy? Who's who's Randy Finoli? <laughs> Randy Finoli is someone you went to high school with. <laughs> he's what someone who's on say yes to the dress. He's like one of the main characters. <laughs> okay, so about as famous as somebody you went to high school with. He is the sweetest man. I started watching it because my sister's getting married, and we actually went to Kleinfels, where Say Yes to Dress is filmed, to buy her wedding dress. They actually had one of the other main cast members assist us that day. Oh, were you starstruck? Um, no, I really didn't. I didn't recognize her, but my sister took a picture with her. But anyways, so Randy is always in a good mood, and he deals with the most obnoxious people, and it doesn't seem like it's put on. He generally seems like the sweetest person. Now, I don't think that he's come out. I don't want to say anything about anyone's sexuality. <laughs> but, you know, I hope he lives his authentic life off the show. But he is so sweet. I I, I even get teary-eyed thinking about him. He is so pleasant. He's always so upbeat. And he truly cares about the brides that he's assisting. You can see it. Say us the dresses is Jillian's <laughs> Won't You Be My Neighbor. He, no, Matt, you really have to look into him because he it's as a Mr. Rogers heart. He does. Really? He does. And one of the sweetest moments was, I guess he used to be a designer. And so he decided to get back into designing to have his own line of wedding dresses. And he wasn't sure if people were going to buy the dresses. So this one bride falls in love with his dress and she, you know, buys it. Says yes to it. Says yes. And he gets so emotional because it was a, such a special moment for him that one of his designs, it gave him confirmation that he can be a designer again. And he was tearing up and it, he could tell it truly moved him. I could go on about Randy. He is a very, very kind soul, especially to deal with those, I'll say beasts. Bradzillas. Oh, they're the horrific one. They say, even if they're so difficult, he is always genuinely willing to help. Mm-hmm. So I just hope he has a happy life off the show. I worry about that sometimes. The things that I worry about. Randy Finoli, whatever his name Finoli. is. Finoli. I just hope he's not lonely or anything like that. But um, I was disappointed we didn't see him that day. Um, but Well, Jillian's sending her love, Randy. Listening, yeah. I'm sure, I'm, I bet my, bo- top, my bottom dollar, what do you say? My top dollar, I bet my bottom dollar. We're betting all the dollars. <laughs> but um, that people after this episode airs are going to agree with me that Randy is a beloved Well, if you character. love Randy Finoli, if you also, <laughs> you know, had a, had a college course with him or something, <laughs> like, you know, Does write to us. Like tell, send, send, send your love <laughs> about Randy. Jillian's cozy celebrity this week. Yeah. Definitely I, haven't used that one before. I can say that for sure. No, I was thinking about, I'm like, well, Jillian, why haven't you talked about Randy yet? He brings, <laughs> you, he brings you to tears. <laughs> Good tears, happy tears. Anyways. Well, he sounds like a wonderful person. <laughs> yes, all, yes. In all seriousness. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. Before we go, mm-hmm. we must oh. review this candle. So, Jillian, you brought the candle today. It's beautiful. Can oh. you... Explain this candle. So when Matt said I do, (laughs) or right before I, I, well, I said to myself, I'm like, I have to get a special wedding gift, but I don't, because our friendship is so special. I had to get something that is is equally as special and meaningful, but it's very hard to buy a wedding gift. I saw these, like, they have crazy wedding gifts. They have, one was a cutting board with your initials on it. I was like, why the hell would you want a cutting board with your... Yeah, I don't cook. Yeah, that's what I thought to myself. I'm like... I, I didn't want to get something like that. I didn't get something that was unique to you, but also something that you guys could both enjoy and mm-hmm. keep. She, so, she she chose very well. It's a candle. Yes. It, sorry. I'm going on on here. Yes. It's a candle and it has Matt and Brett's names etched onto the candle and it has their wedding date, but also what's special is the candle lights up their names in the yeah, wedding so date. It's a really beautiful flicker effect. Flicker effect. So in the dark... If I said manner and brother drink a nice glass of wine, a romantic dinner, and they have the candle lit. We like, can see our names see flickering our names, yeah. and so from the candle. It's a, it's a white holder. Now, they had different smells for each color holder. They only had black or white. And the black one seemed to have a better scent. But my partner said, well, I told Matt this, that it would seem like it was it a, would look like a funeral memorial, memorial candle. Died, and yeah. people did say in the comments that they have bought it for memorials. 
So they either buy it for weddings or they buy it for people of the past. Okay. So I had to be very specific. Well, good. We're living. This is good. So it's a rosy smell. It's a rose scent. And it, it's, first of all, thank you, Julian. Of this course. is a, a wonderful gift. It's very, very appropriate for me, you know? Yeah. You know, you all know how much I love candles. This is, this is the perfect wedding gift for me. And it, it really is beautiful. And the, first of all, this is the color of the uh, candle itself and the case. Mm-hmm. Pretty. The rose smell is very strong in, in a really good way. I, okay, I really good. do love this. I was this worried. Scent. The throw is wonderful. Okay, good. It fills this larger room. It's a really, really nice candle. It's it's a it's a nice soft rose smell. It's a it's a soft scent. It's not overpowering, but I can smell it. It's it's it has a presence in the room. I I adore it. Thank oh, you so much, you're, Jillian. You're welcome. It was, and if, it was well chosen. Oh, of course. And if you are interested in buying it, um, it's this company. I can't pronounce it. It's like that um, character in Beauty and the Beast, Illumere or something. Illumiere. Yeah, but it's Illumere. And it they're located in um, England. <laughs> so I'm sure if you just Google Illumere England, mm-hmm. I'm sure you'd come up. And they can put any names. They also come with um, lids that you can inscribe a message on. But I thought, that's a little much. It's really excessive. I want to keep it nice and simple. We have, But if you do are interested and want to write a sweet note to someone, they can engrave the top of the lid. Um, but put any names you want or anything you want on it. And I think the flicker effect, that's what drew me to it. Cause mm-hmm. I said, oh, that'd be so sweet. And then also you can do the freezing trick and pop out the wax once it's done. And you can just have a nice holder oh, yeah, with absolutely. your names on yeah. it or build little pens in there. Or no, I mean the, the flicker effect is so nice. I'll probably put a tea light in it. Or oh, that's of, smart. You know, keep it yes. going. Yes. Okay. So yeah, I thought it'd be one of those things you guys could have for a long time. I know Brett's not as fanatic about candles, but it's something you guys can both enjoy. No, he 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 is low key obsessed with candles too because okay. of me. So oh, good to he'll, know. He'll, he will also love it. I guarantee it. I'll take a picture of it and I'll show you guys. And then you can also media. wish us a happy anniversary every year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that about does it for this episode. Go check out the Summer Sisters. It's a great beach read. Keep up with us this summer at All Things Cozy Podcast yep. on Instagram. We're both on Twitter, unfortunately. Uh, mm-hmm. We advise you stay off the website, but if you're on there for some reason, you can follow us. Um, and I honestly, our Facebook group, uh, we have been killing it this month. July, I think is the month that our podcast Facebook group came alive. Yeah, it really did. We've got, we're getting uh, a handful of new members every single week. Please join if you haven't already. It's fun. It's, if you go to our Facebook page, there's a button to join it. So yeah. you can find it that way. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. We have a good time in there. You can talk to us, share what's making you feel cozy. And as always, stay cool and <laughs> cozy. stay cozy. Yeah. So welcome back. We're going to talk about the spoilers now. So if you don't want to know how the book ends, stop listening. You should have stopped listening already because it's the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just for people who have read the book and are curious about what we think about the ending. Yeah. So Kate, Caitlin ends up marrying one Victoria's love interest. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think that she was always kind of lusting after to be the person Victoria was. Because Victoria is very stable. And I think, in a way, she kind of wanted that. Because Abby sees Victoria more so her daughter than Caitlin. Even though Abby tried really hard with Caitlin, at a point, it switches where Victoria is now basically Abby's surrogate daughter. Right. And I think Caitlin did want that. She just didn't know how to get it. Yeah. And even so, you don't say how you're, you don't want to ever be ordinary all the time. It's like your battle cry, like, oh, you know... You, I think she secretly did want that. As much as she said she didn't want to be ordinary, I think part of her lusted after being the stable person who goes on a expected path, who has the, that comfort. Mm-hmm. But she couldn't. There's something inside of her that just couldn't, but she wanted it. Yeah, no, I, I think that is definitely the moment where you realize, oh, Caitlin wanted what Victoria had, and it, it sort of reveals what, what attracted to her in the first place. Mm-hmm her struggle to really find out who she is or what she really wants and the the way that she seems to flee from her own life by going overseas all the time and just sort of going from one country to the next, never really setting down roots, and then only to go back and steal the long-term ex of <laughs> yeah. Victoria. And at that point, I mean, I really kind of lost sympathy for Caitlin. Yeah. I mean, you can see the... Talking about it afterwards, I'm like, yeah, you can see like why the character would act that way. And it is kind of a beautiful comment. Like, it's not a fault of the book. 
But in terms of just like a personal feeling toward the character, I was like, well, I think I'd be done with this person at that mm-hmm. point. But Victoria goes and, and she's her bridesmaid. I know. It's a, lot, it's a very dramatic section of the book. It is. Um, very charged. It was, I mean, to me, what I loved about the book was it's light, but it, there's like a propulsion, a forward momentum to the narrative that just keeps you pushing it glued. forward. I, it glued, yeah. Like the first... I would say like maybe the first 50 pages, I was still kind of like trying to figure out like, hey, what is this book about? Where is it going? But like after that point, I was hooked and and really wanted, wanted to find out how this relationship would develop. And yeah, I mean, like while we we're talking about spoilers, I, I would say one issue I had with the book was the ending. The ending where Caitlin just disappears on her sailboat, presumably is dead. Yeah. And... To me, I really didn't like that. It was like it, it was a lack of closure, and I guess that felt true to the character because the the character never had closure. Mm-hmm. But it also reminded me of The Simpsons, where um, Poochie is like. So there's a the cartoon in, in the cartoon called Itchy and Scratchy, and then Homer gets a gig as Poochie, which is like this new character that everyone hates because he's a new character ruining the show, and so. To write him off, they say Poochie died on his way back to his home planet, and that's kind of what it felt like. Is like, oh, and then one chapter at the end, Caitlin's dead. It's I, I didn't like yeah. that sort of. It felt really just sort of a dashed off ending to me. I I, I felt like it would have felt a little bit more true and honest if the people kept on living, but maybe the relationship died. Um, but yeah, it's I, tough. Yeah. I don't know how because I, I I agree with you, but I'm also conflicted because. I think Victoria needed an out from that friendship. I think there's points where but you need you an out. wouldn't you prefer that if Victoria's out came from her own decision and her own agency and, and feeling of like, I'm, I'm putting closure on this relationship, like her friends urge her to, like rec- put that relationship in its place and then move on? Yeah. I feel like it would have been such a stronger character choice to have Victoria reach a moment where she was fully confident in herself but she never gets to have that level of agency or decision because the choice is made for her because Caitlin just disappears again, and this time in a way that feels final. So yeah. I, I, I kind of didn't like that. It sort of removed a choice from the character to, in a place where she could have really have evolved in an internal way and sort of just sort of writes off the ending, like, and Caitlin goes back to her home planet. It's I, I, I didn't like that sort of dashed-off chapter. Yeah, personally. that's a good point because you would want... Because you said it, the friends urging their friends are always the friends see something in Caitlin that I think is true. Mm-hmm. They see something a dark lining in her, and they know that she needs Victoria needs to cut her out. And it would have been satisfying if Victoria just said, "Hey, listen, you're not a good friend anymore." But friendship is so complicated that I think there's always going to be that tether between them because they did grow up together as kids, because they did have all these moments that are so unique and transform their lives shared together even if we want her to cut her out I don't think it's realistic for her to cut her out because there is will always be that connection and I have people who I'm like you know I I, you kind of want to cut them out but you never can Mm -hmm. there's just some things that you just cannot walk away from my only thing that I didn't like I understand why Judy Bloom did it when they never found her body. So we don't know if she is mm-hmm. dead um, or not. That was just because it was on set because you want that finality. But I think as a writer, I think it was the right artistic choice to do. And it spoke to her personality and her character arc. But I just wanted to know, is she here or not? Right. No, yes. Yeah, so some closure to that story. 